You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Many of the prayers that we pray, the focus is only on the physical and material needs, our own physical and material needs. And I'm not suggesting that those things aren't important. They are, and they should be very important to us. But you know, when we pray, we should only be concerned about our physical and material needs. Because when we do that, I think we fail to lay hold of the deeper inner needs of the heart. As Pastor Mike shares in today's message, there are many parts of prayer. The most often spoken prayer is for our physical needs. While there is nothing wrong with bringing your desires to the Lord, the heart's needs are often forgotten. A quick one-minute prayer doesn't allow for the peeling away of the heart to allow for the innermost thoughts to be exposed. When was the last time you spent a considerable amount of time with the Lord? Pouring out your heart to Him. Make time today. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 as he begins his message, I bow my knee. I remember what you said, you returned that I might live in my Father's This message the title, I Bow My Knee, Part 1. This passage of scripture is the second of two prayers that are recorded here in the book of Ephesians. The first one, and we've already gone over it and considered it, I broke it down for you, took a look at all of the petitions in that first prayer, which is recorded for us in chapter 1 and verses 15 through 23. Let's briefly give you a quick comparison between that first prayer and the prayer that we're going to be considering. Now, in the first prayer, let's say, for example, taking a look at verses 17 and 18, notice the emphasis is upon enlightenment. In fact, let's go just quickly go back and read chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. Paul prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So the first prayer then, the emphasis, notice, is on enlightenment. It has to do with wisdom and knowledge and understanding. But in the prayer that we're considering, the emphasis is upon enablement. And therein lies the difference between the two. The prayer that we're considering is a prayer that's designed to help us 
lay our hands upon what God has for us and by faith make it a vital part of our lives. So Paul basically is saying then, I want you to get your hands on your wealth, realize how vast it is, and start to use it for your benefit, but also for the glory of Christ. Now, before we get into this prayer, I want to draw your attention to this prayer's focus. Notice it's all about spiritual needs. I got to say, I think too many of our prayers, and I've been guilty of this very same thing, many of the prayers that we pray, the focus is only on the physical and material needs, our own physical and material needs. And I'm not suggesting that those things aren't important. They are, and they should be very important to us. But, you know, when we pray, we shouldn't only be concerned about our physical and material needs. Because when we do that, I think we fail to lay hold of the deeper inner needs of the heart. And remember, virtue is developed in prayer. And by the way, therein lies the value of the prayers that have been preserved and recorded for us in the Bible. You know, I don't know how many times, particularly amongst new Christians, they've come to me and say, Pastor Mike, you know, I know that prayer is such a very important part of our Christian experience, but sometimes i got to tell you something. I'm at a loss of what I should be praying for. Let me suggest that you go back to the Scriptures and go through the Scriptures from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation and consider the prayers that have been preserved and recorded for us in the Bible and then evaluate those prayers Meditate upon those prayers and also make those prayers your own. Personalize them. You see, God has, in a very calculated way, preserved and recorded those prayers for our learning. Those are the things that must be important to him. And if they're important to God, well, then they also should be important to us. So we should never be at a loss of what we should pray for. Yes, we should pray for our own physical and personal needs. In fact, in the Lord's Prayer, when Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, gave us the design for prayer, the perfect prayer. He talked about our daily needs, our petitions, the things that we have need of, and and those things are are important. But again, that we lose sight of what we should be praying for. I, I think we should place a greater emphasis upon spiritual things, because I think too many of our prayers focus only on the physical and material needs, and thus we fail to lay hold of the deeper inner needs of the heart. And again, as I've already suggested, it's virtue. Virtue is developed in prayer. So that's where the greatest needs of men are. Now, with that said, that sort of lays the foundation and sets the stage for the study, and it brings us then to our first point. And that is a matter of the heart. A matter of the heart. Now, the suggestion here is the way that we approach God. Remember, the message is all about prayer. And prayer is about, really, the way that we approach God. And it truly is a matter of the heart. Now, let's go back to our text. The first thing that strikes me here in this prayer is Paul's posture. Notice in verse 14. Go back to verse 14. He says, For this cause... I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this bowing of the knee, personally, I don't think the application of it is literally him bowing his knee 
every time Paul went to prayer. I rather think that it is a metaphor concerning our heart's attitude, having the right heart attitude as we approach the Lord. I mean, Paul couldn't always get on his knees when he went to the Lord in prayer. I mean, considering, like, for example, when he wrote the book of Ephesians, this is one of those epistles of Paul that is known as a prison epistle because Paul was a prisoner in Rome when he wrote it. And at that time when he wrote it, there was a Roman soldier chained to Paul around the clock in shifts. In fact, in the book of Acts, in chapter 28 and verse 16, we read, now when we came to Rome, remember he made his appeal unto Rome, he was getting the political runaround in Caesarea and also in Jerusalem, so it was his right, him being a Roman citizen, to make his appeal unto Caesar in Rome, and thus they sent him to Rome. Remember, they placed him on a boat, remember the shipwreck, remember all of the details, but finally now he's in Rome. And in Acts in chapter 28 and verse 16, we read, Now when he, we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Now this is really interesting. So, and those soldiers around the clock in different shifts that were chained to Paul, Paul laid a heavy witness upon them. In fact, uh, we know that from other epistles that were written, Paul had been given certain freedoms and privileges to be able to uh, receive visitors during his imprisonment. And uh, they were members of some of the churches that he had uh, founded. And, uh, you know, they would bring him news back concerning the things and the affairs that were going on in those different locations of those churches that he had planted. Some of those who had visited with Paul, just were seeking counsel for some of the issues and problems that existed within those churches that Paul uh, was responsible for establishing as as well. So think about it. Here's Paul, who had the freedom, uh, the ability uh, to be able to receive those guests, bringing those questions. They were all spiritual questions, right? And he's chained to the guard who is watching over him, And the guard was privy to the conversations that were going on between Paul and his visitors. And at the same time, Paul was laying a heavy witness upon those who were guarding him. And the result of which was there was actually a house church that was planted. Think about this, how crazy this is. Only God could have done that, right? In Caesar Nero's own home. Because in the book of Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 22... When he writes the epistle to the church at Philippi, he concludes and says, All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. So how crazy is that, right? So again, I've gone a long way to make the point. Paul didn't always have the ability to be able to fall to his needs when uh, he chose to pray unto the Lord. But anyway, the Bible, if you think about this, Nowhere commands any special posture for prayer. For example, in the book of Genesis, in chapter 18 and verse 22, we are told that Abraham stood before the Lord uh, when he prayed for Sodom. In 1 Chronicles, in chapter 17, in verse 16, we are told there that David sat before the Lord when he prayed for the future of his kingdom. So Abraham stood, David sat, 
In Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 26 and verse 39, but we are told that Jesus fell on his face when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. So there you have it. Abraham stood before the Lord, David sat before the Lord, and Jesus fell on his face when he prayed unto the Father there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, as we continue to move through our series in the book of Ephesians, you're going to notice that Ephesians places a great emphasis on our spiritual posture, and uses certain verbs, which I also believe are metaphors, the same idea here, if you will. Like, for example, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, we've already addressed uh, that chapter, but notice in verse 6 of chapter 2, let's quickly go back there, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In chapter 4, in verse 1, we read, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So here, the verb that's used is walk. In chapter 6, which happens to be probably the greatest chapter in all of the New Testament that has to deal with the subject of Christian warfare, I can't wait to get there. In chapter 6 and verse 11, we are told, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wilds of the devil. So, concerning our spiritual posture, sit, walk, and stand. But bowing the knee links all of these positions together. You see, it is through prayer that we lay hold of God's riches that enables us to behave like Christians and battle like Christians. So, Here's the bottom line. Whether we actually bow our knee or not is really not important. What is important is that we bow our hearts and wills to the Lord and ask him for what we need. Gang, that's what it's all about. You understand that? That's what it's all about. So, I mean, there are times when you just don't have time. You know, I found some of the most effective Prayers aren't these great, long, Elizabethan kinds of prayers. Oh, my father, and you know, that whole number. But basically, God help, exclamation point, right? And I found those to be some of the most effective prayers that I've prayed. I mean, there's been times where I've gone through it, and you know, I'm just pouring my heart out to the Lord when time allows me to do that. You know, it's amazing. i got to tell you something. The Lord wakes me up. I, I don't, maybe it's old age. I don't know exactly what it is. But uh, I wake up a lot in the middle of the night. Do you? Uh, I never, I don't, I, I wake up sometimes like two or three times in the middle of the night. And, uh, and the Lord lays this burden to pray on my heart. So I begin to pray. Sometimes it's for my own specific needs, things, you know, that I'm going to be facing tomorrow when I get up out of bed. Or, you know, the Lord brings to remembrance a particular person here in the fellowship or in the congregation you may be out and about, like 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, you're in a, a situation where you're in danger. So do me a favor. Stop being out so late at night so that I can get a good night's sleep so the Lord wouldn't have to wake me up, you know, for me to have to pray for you. But uh, who knows? But, you know, during those times, I, I found them to be very special time, a time of wonderful fellowship and, and communion with the Lord where God is really speaking to me. Have you ever had those kinds of you know, when there's no other things to draw your attention to or, you know, you can just totally focus in on 
your relationship with the Lord and your prayers and and uh, you're asleep in your bed, it's dark. I've always found it to be a very precious time in prayer. In those times, you have more time to be able to, to, to share your heart, the things that are going on, rather than your back is up against the wall and you just got to offer one of those quick prayers, you know, God help, okay? So, so that's the first thing that I wanted to draw your attention to here in this particular prayer before we actually break it down for you. It's not about the position of your body as much as it is about the position of your heart. Listen, if you want to get on your knees and pray, fine. If you feel comfortable in doing that, if it's not going to draw down responses from God because you're on your knees. God is more, you know, we can get on, you can stand on your head and pray to try to get God's attention, but God looks right through that and he looks into your heart. It's your heart that he's concerned about. Is your heart bowed before the Lord. And that's why I never could understand, you know, certain people, you know, sometimes I got to wonder. I've seen this happen in some of our fellowships in our congregations. Maybe I shouldn't mention this. You know, in those times when you're worshiping or something and you feel like you need to pray or whatever, you know, so not to draw attention to yourself, because I think some of that, for that very reason, you know, go to the back of the congregation so no one could, this should be just between you and the Lord, Right. We're not to be like the Pharisees who stand on the corner with their garments and robes and offering these great Elizabethan prayers to be seen of men, right? The Bible tells us then you have your reward, right? It's just between you and the Lord. That's what prayer is all about. It's just a conversation that you're having with the Lord. Now that brings us to our second point. And within this prayer, there are four specific requests. And that becomes our second point. Four specific requests. So only going to take a look at two of the four petitions that are recorded for us here within this prayer. But there's something else that I want to mention. Those four petitions must not be looked upon as isolated individual petitions. Because as you'll see as we move through them, one request leads to the next one and then so on. For example, let's go back to the text. Let's go back to the prayer. He prays that the inner man might have spiritual strength, verse 16, follow along with me, which then will in turn lead to a deeper experience with Christ, verse 17. Then the deeper experience will enable them to apprehend or get hold of God's great love, the first part of verse 19, which will result in their being filled unto the fullness of God, the latter part of verse 19. So do you see the connection between all four of these requests? So then, Paul is praying for, and write this down, this is important. What is Paul praying for? Basically, for those believers in Ephesus, he's praying for strength, he's praying for depth, he's praying for apprehension, and he's praying for fullness. Those are the four petitions. Those are the four requests. And if you think about it, You know, this is what God wants to do in all of our lives, but it is truly a part of a process in our Christian experience. Okay, so with that said, let's go ahead and take an in-depth look at each one of those petitions. We're only going to take a look at two of them and break it down for you. The first of which is Paul prayed for these believers at Ephesus that God might strengthen them. Let's go back to our text in verse 16 that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might 
through the Spirit in the inner man. So, it is power that Paul desires for his readers. He knew that this was absolutely important that they get hold of God's power. We're talking about Holy Ghost power. The answer to how we live a godly life. Listen, you get hold of Holy Spirit power, it'll radically transform you into the image of God's Son. Remember, God instructed the first disciples in the book of Acts in chapter 1, in verse 8, at the Feast of Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit was poured out, before the believers were even baptized uh, with the Holy Spirit for the first time. And he instructed them to tarry ye there in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endowed with power from on high, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of Jesus. That they'll become like Jesus. That they will be able to live their lives in victory even as Jesus lived his life in victory when he walked upon the face of this earth. And think about it, after they were baptized in Holy Ghost power, think of the transformation that had taken place, for example, in the life of Peter. You know, just uh, going back to the Gospels, in the last few chapters of the Gospel, Peter denied the Lord three times. But now in the book of Acts, after he's baptized in the Holy Spirit and's gotten, and gotten hold of this power, he's in the open streets, boldly professing, and preaching the gospel of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he's testifying to that fact. What in the world happened in this guy's life? An unlearned fisherman. Think about that. He went through this dramatic transformation. How did that happen? Holy Ghost power. You see that? And uh, let me also add that Jesus himself performed his ministry upon the earth in the power of the Spirit. Let me give you a couple of cross-references for this. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 4 and verse 1. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Notice, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. In that same chapter, 1 and verse 14, we read, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. You know, when Peter is led by the Lord to go to Cornelius' house, remember Cornelius in the book of Acts? He was a centurion. Actually, he is the first Gentile conversion that's recorded in the Bible, him and his household. And remember, Peter was sent to Cornelius. He was someone who prayed always unto the Lord and gave alms. He gave regular tithes and offerings unto the work of, of the Lord. And for that, God acknowledged him, and he sent Peter to further instruct him in the things of, of God. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. As we study the book of Ephesians together, we pray it has encouraged you to restore relationships. Unity can be such a hard task to accomplish, but as the Apostle Paul wrote, unity binds us together in Jesus. 
If there's someone in your life that you need to reach out to today, know we are praying both for you and for them. You've been listening to In My Father's House, and we're so glad you tuned in to hear today's teaching with Pastor Mike. To listen to today's message again, or to hear more from Pastor Mike, just search for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on our day-to-day happenings. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions to our easy access point at harvestnyc.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday evening so everyone has the chance to attend, even if you can't make it in person. If this broadcast has been an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that was harvestnyc.org. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening in today. Join us again next time for more, right here on In My Father's House. Where I long to be, oh my heart, not be troubled.